Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Mark Lawrence once again with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And, Victor, it's looking more and more like the halfway point in the National Football League, and they're already talking college football bowl matchups. We're getting to that stage of the season as well. First of all, I want to ask you how your week was, and I hope you're doing well. Uh, similar situation uh, that you had last weekend. It wasn't an overall great weekend for us, but I do see here that Mark Lawrence said here's, let me see here, is college football, perfect system game of the year. That was a Saturday best bet, and that was on Marshall plus the points against James Madison. Didn't even need him. What a big, big road win for Marshall. And I noticed in the stats that they held James Madison to 0 for 17 on third downs in that particular game. So that was a really nice call in terms of uh, underdogs for Mark. And for our service, Mark, we did hit our highest rated play of the weekend, which the over of the week in the NFL in the Houston Texans, Las Vegas Raiders game, 58 total points scored there. So uh, nicely done there. And we're starting to uh, get a little bit better here in college football as well. We released two overs last Saturday, both of those games won. That was uh, Tulane and Memphis over the total and also over the total in the Rice-Louisiana Tech game. So uh, not a bad weekend overall. We are heading into another big time week. And you know, Mark, next week at this time is gonna be even bigger because there are two big things happening. Number one, the NFL trade deadline is next Tuesday, November 1st. But not only that, in college football, the first playoff rankings will be released next week as well. Well, that'll be interesting, Victor. I know that's sort of like trade deadline, if you will, when the college football rankings come out. Everybody's interest becomes peaked, wanting to know just about who is looking at the possibility of playing in the college football playoff. We know that next year it's going to expand to 12 teams. So there's an argument as to whether or not the playoff will be diluted or not or whether it's an opportunity for more teams that perhaps might have been deserving to prove their worth. But that's an argument, I guess, for another day. We'll be crossing that road when we get to it. But you mentioned about the stats last week, Victor, and uh, in college football last week, I had a chance to thoroughly go through the playbook midweek alert this week, and I caught myself up on every stat I could possibly catch myself up on. And as I perused through the midweek alert, these are some of the interesting notes that I came across. I'm going to share them with you and our listeners out there. That uh, heading into this weekend, we've only got six teams remaining that are undefeated in college football. So this field is getting chopped down, much like the survivor pool is out in the circuit. We'll be talking with Andy Isco about that a bit later on in the show. But the undefeated teams in college football are withering away. Only six of them, as I mentioned, two of them reside in the Big Ten Conference, two of them in the Southeast Conference, and also inside the midweek alert, there are only five teams, if you can imagine, in college football, the FBS teams, that have been perfect and have outgained every opponent they played this year. Three of those five teams are teams you would expect, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Two of those teams are teams that I think you would win bar bets on both of the other two teams because I don't think anybody would have a clue who they are. I wouldn't have had I not had my midweek alert to look at it. I sort of would because I've been following it, but I just want to say that. The other two teams that have been perfect in the stats this year are Illinois and Texas Tech. Not the big boys, but a couple of overachievers so far this college. Especially when time moving forward throughout the end of this football, college football season. Also inside the midweek alert, an interesting stat that I that I perused through was there have been a total of seven teams that have held their opponents to season low yardage marks this season. When I say seven teams, I'm talking about uh, 
seven teams in all that have done just that. One of them has done it five times. A team that's held their opponent to five season-low yardage marks. No, seven teams, I should I should qualify that were four or more times seven teams have. Only one of them five times. That's the Michigan Wolverines, who maybe just aren't getting their due this football season because, according to the midweek alert, they're playing better this year right now than they were last year. That might be a little bit of a surprise, but the stats are the stats. Anything you want to share, Victor, from last week's college football card that perhaps we weren't aware of? Well, you know, I'm I'm the totals guy, Mark, and I'm always keeping my eye on some of the hotter over and under teams. And there is a king of the over in college football, and it was that Memphis Tigers team that I kind of just mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Seven and one over under on the season for Memphis, uh, 65.7 combined points per game. Uh, they are definitely the college football kings of the over, but right behind them, are a logjam of teams at six and one, and those overachieving teams who are six and one on the season, UCLA, University of Houston, Louisiana Tech, who again I just mentioned, Arkansas, Arizona, Oklahoma State, Oregon, and Rice. And then, of course, Mark, on the uh, flip side, you take a look at the teams who are 1-7. and seven. Hold on, there's an 0-7. There's a team who has yet to go over the total this season. That would be the Rams of Colorado State, who are now 0-7 and and a solid, solid under team. Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks, are 1-7 and seven over under. And then, like their counterparts, there's a logjam of teams at 1-6 and six over under on the year. Those teams include Georgia, who we'll be talking about today, Georgia Tech. Marshall, Missouri, Kentucky, Washington State, and Virginia Tech. So your top over teams and your top under teams thus far in college football. Nice review from Victor King from King Creole Sports, publisher of the Playbook Totals tip sheet. If you're thinking about handicapping over under totals or betting those sides of the games, be sure to download your copy of the Totals tip sheet in time for the games this weekend. Let's move it over, Victor, to the NFL side of things with a little bit of a look at what we saw. And I'm going to continue, if I may, first on with my review out of the midweek alert. And here's what I've seen so far in the National Football League doing just that. There's been only one team that's been perfect in the stats, meaning they've outyarded every opponent they played. Perhaps not a surprise, the Buffalo Bills, who happen to rank number one in overall offense and overall defense this year. They are clearly head and shoulders the best team in the National Football League as we speak going into this weekend. On the flip side, the opposite end of the ladder, there are two teams that have yet to gain outgain an opponent in a football game. One of them, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The other, surprisingly, the Tennessee Titans, who right now, if the playoffs began this week, unbelievably, they'd be in the third seed in the AFC. But nonetheless, the Titans still looking to win that game in the stats this football season. And ironically, if you will, there are two teams in the National Football League that are being outyarded 100 yards or more a game this season. And they both happen to be playing each other this weekend. And how about it? Here comes the Tennessee Titans again, taking on the Houston Texans, both teams being out yarded in average yards a game on the field. And just a sidebar note here, Victor, before I hand it over to you. I heard this on NFL.com coming in. I love listening to that station here. You pick up a lot of nice little juicy tidbits. And if you can believe it, this is the first time in 40 games in the series between the Jets and the Patriots in which the Jets will enter the football game with a better record than the New England Patriots doesn't matter. They're still the underdog in the game, but they do have the better record, so they can at least have that claim to fame. They snapped that 40-game streak to the New York Jets this year. How about you, Victor? On the NFL side of things, what did you happen to pass uh, see and pass along to our listeners as well? Well, Mark, you know, we are seven weeks now into this 2022 weird and wacky NFL season, and there continues to be just some some wild things that are happening on a weekly basis. It makes me think that are like, are, are we in some sort of a parallel universe or on a different <laughs> earth or something? Because in this multiverse or in this alternate earth, uh, Tom Brady has lost four out of his last five games. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers has lost three games in a row as a favorite. Two of the top six worst quarterbacks in the league in this alternate universe are Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Two of the top six quarterbacks, the best six quarterbacks, are Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. In this <laughs> alternate reality, the New York Giants are 6-1 and the New York Jets are 5-2. and two. So there are some weird things that keep on happening every week. Again, the scoring is down. We've gone through the reasons. Uh, you did mention the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And, you know, Mark, we do a, a, a special page. Page five is our red zone page in the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And that is applicable these days. Because on the front page, we talk about another reason why the scoring is down, and that is because offenses are stalling in the red zone. So, again, we want to encourage you to pick up this week's totals tip sheet in addition to the other newsletters because I basically have an entire page where you can look at every team's TD percentage in the red zone at home and away on offense and on defense, and it's required reading if you're going to be betting NFL totals. Or playing fantasy, right? Right. Good stuff, Victor. I, I I love that page in particular because it tells me a little bit more about what happens when it counts. That's inside the red zone. The red zone of which I love to watch also on my direct TV each and every Sunday, cutting right to the chase and getting the teams that are going to score. And I love finding out which teams get there and can't do it. So that's a great read inside the totals tip sheet. You want to pick up a copy this week for sure. I had mentioned, Victor, uh, along the way that the NFL playoff picture, if it began this particular weekend, these would be the seeds, the number one through seven seeds. Almost unbelievable. Not at the top, but staggering all in throughout. Number one seed, still Buffalo and Philadelphia. Number two seeds, Kansas City and Minnesota. But then here come the guys out of nowhere. Number three seed, the Tennessee Titans, as I mentioned earlier, and the Seattle Seahawks, number three seeds. Number four seeds, Baltimore and Tampa Bay, followed by a pair of Big Apple teams. Number five seeds, Jets, and number six seeds, Giants. The number six seeds, Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys. And rounding it out, the two L.A. teams, the Chargers and the Rams, each with the number seven seed positioning going into this particular weekend. And, Victor, also before we move on to our college football game of the week, our breakdown of that, uh, our good friend, Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado from Dallas, mentions every week to us his proposed NFL most embarrassed football team. And there are three teams that are playing on this week's card that have legitimate claims to be the most embarrassed team, if not last week, this year, because of what happened last week. Uh, one of them, obviously, the New England uh, the New England Patriots with that embarrassment to Chicago on Monday night. That's Steve's nominee, by the way, the New England Patriots, because it was a football game that uh, I think nobody saw coming with the Chicago Bears going into Foxborough and winning that game straight up. The other two, the obvious, the two quarterbacks you talked about, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, Victor, in both of those losses, they lost to starting quarterbacks that were XFL quarterbacks last week. Uh, that's red-faced embarrassment for sure. <laughs> it is. And I've never seen in my life, I put this in the database, Tampa Bay Bucks have lost three games in a row as a favorite, all as double-digit favorites. And now they come back this week as a home underdog. That's their reward for doing just that. I didn't find any team that lost three consecutive games in a row as a favorite of seven or more points, let alone double digits. Hey, Packers, who are having all kinds of problems here right now, and Aaron Rodgers, I don't know what universe he's living in right now, but uh, he's not clicking with all the players in the team. And I would say this, that uh, I would look for a vast improvement for all three of those football teams this week, New England, Tampa Bay, and Green Bay. That would be my assessment about the embarrassed teams. How about yours, Victor? Right. Uh, put, a, put one of the bays in there, and they are definitely uh, my vote for embarrassing either Green Bay or Tampa Bay. In terms of uh, dog results from last week, uh, nothing earth-shattering. Underdogs went uh, right down the middle last week at 7-7 seven and seven ATS. However, on the season, NFL underdogs still a very, very profitable 59-44-4 and four against the spread. That's 
Uh, dogs of just four points or more on the blind this season in the NFL are 37 and 19. That's phenomenal. That's 66% against the spread for just dogs of four or more points. Uh, we've also got from the database, Mark, a 26 and 9 ATS tightener within that. And that is dogs of four or more points taking on any 500 or better opponent have gone 26 and 9 against the spread on the season. There are three of them going this week. Those three dogs in that 74% ATS situation are the Bears plus the points against Dallas, Pittsburgh plus the points against Philadelphia, and uh, the Packers plus the points against the Bills. That's interesting stuff, Victor. And uh, also in that same vein, I want to pass this along because everybody has their own style and their unique way about handicapping. And uh, it's not for me to say which is good, which is bad, or which is indifferent. It doesn't matter as long as you are real, uh, you're convicted to your handicapping, that you're diligent about what it is that you do. I have a good friend of mine who lives in Las Vegas who has been following this stuff for as long as I have, and he loves betting on games involving trends that are happening today. Not what happened in the past, a long time ago, and so forth and whatnot. What's going on today? And you mentioned those numbers that you just ran by about the National Football League dogs of four or more and how well they're doing. That's his cup of tea. And he loves doing that because he figures there's a few more winners to cash in on before that worm turns, if you will, as opposed to looking back at history and relying on history and not knowing whether or not history is going to come around and stay around this year or so. I like those numbers. They're good to add to your uh, arsenal, if you will. What's going on today? You meld that into your past history, and I think you become a better, well-rounded handicapper. Good stuff, Victor. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop over to our featured college football game of Victor, what would it be if we weren't talking about anything other than the world's largest outdoor cocktail party taking place this weekend in Florida when the Florida Gators take on the Georgia Bulldogs? Victor, how do you see the cocktail party shaping out this year? Absolutely. The cocktail party begins at 3.30 Eastern time on uh, Saturday. Of course, they're going to be playing down here in the Sunshine State as they always do in Jacksonville, and the spread in the game, Georgia opened a 22-point favorite, they're up to 22 and yeah, that's the biggest point spread in this particular series since way back in 1996, when Georgia was a dog to Florida, 34 points. So there you go, the largest spread in the game, we're talking 25-plus seasons this week. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's the over-under line that we're looking at, and the game opened at 55.5 points. It's currently up to 56.5, so that first initial push was toward the uh, over in this particular game. Now, number one, we always take a look at our college football weather reports, and as we record the podcast on Wednesday afternoon, I know that's a couple of days early, but there are shower forecasts in general. Jacksonville, and we may even have some uh, high winds. I'm seeing winds anywhere from 13 to 18 miles an hour, so definitely going to want to uh, keep our eye on the weather forecast as we get closer to that Saturday afternoon kickoff. On the season, Florida comes in as a four and three over team. That's uh, four overs, three unders, average over underline in Gator games 57.2. Average uh, total points score, 59.6. Average plus 2.4. So uh, a little higher scoring than a normal Florida Gator season thus far. I'll go through the reason in a minute or two here. Georgia, however, we mentioned them a few minutes ago. One of the better under teams in all of college football this season. That That's not surprising. They're 1-6 over under. Average line is 56.3 in Georgia games. Average score, 50.8. Average margin, minus 5.5 points per game. Now, uh, obviously, these two teams play each other every year. It's usually in Jacksonville every year as well. Of the last 10 meetings, there's only been three overs. Six games have gone under. One game has been a tie. 
Average 44.7. That's about 10 points lower than this week's over under line. And only twice in those last 10 meetings has there been more than 50 combined in the game. Last year's game ended up going under the total by nine points. And, you know, with numbers like that, you can probably see which way we're leaning in the game. Now, both teams do have that run first philosophy on offense. Florida's running for 214 yards per game. Georgia, 197 yards per game. And again, on defense, yeah, it's been a down year for the Gators. Definitely uh, in Billy Napier's first season, as they are ranked number 113 on defense. The Gators allowing 437 yards per game. With that said, however, Georgia more than makes up for those numbers with the number two scoring defense in the country. They're only allowing 9.1 points per game. Again, number two scoring defense in the country. And while I have it here, Mark, can you guess from our little quiz who the number one scoring defense is in college football this season? Well, the number one scoring defense college football this season, uh, I'm going to... My guess would have obviously been the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, but that's not the answer because you asked me that question. <laughs> right, right. This was one of those overachieving teams you talked about in the beginning of our fighting podcast. Illinois. Yeah, you go. way to How go. That, yeah. 8.9 points per game for the Fighting Illini allowed number one scoring defense. Nice job. Very nice job. So, you know, based on the uh, spread and the over underline in the game, the implied score is Georgia 39 and a half, Florida 17. Our database models and simulations point to a slightly lower score that finishes somewhere in the low to mid 50s, like 38 to 14, 30, 13. So now, as it is, we'll lean under at that current line of 56 and a half points. But definitely, Mark. And all of our podcast watchers and listeners, keep your eyes on Saturday's weather report as the line might go down if there's some inclement weather. Victor says, check out that weather, lean to the under in the football game, but check out the weather first and foremost, most importantly of all. The Florida Gators coming in here with head coach Billy Napier. Napier's had a good record in his career taking points. He's 14 and 6 to the spread, but. When he's ever he's going up against undefeated football teams, he's only two and six to the spread in games like that. He's also 0 and six to the number against rested opponents. Taking a look at the Georgia Bulldogs, who many think might be a better team this year than last year. That's kind of hard to believe because they were absolutely dominating last year and they could well continue to keep surging and end up being better than they were last year. We're going to find that out here. Uh, momentarily throughout the end of the end of the month and all throughout November here. They've held five of their seven opponents to 10 or fewer points have the Georgia Bulldogs so far. So that defense is again hitting on all cylinders. The most they've allowed in any football game has been 313 yards to a pretty wide open Oregon offense. So it's for real that Georgia Bulldog defense. There's no question about that. But when they look at the series here, you could throw a lot of these numbers out in the past and largely because the last 11 times that Georgia's been in this series with a better record than the Florida Gators have had, they're just four and seven straight up with only three point spread covers. So meaning that when Georgia comes in here expected to win, they struggle. They don't. It's because this is a deep, deep rivalry and the underdog really comes hard. And in fact, I'm going to lean to taking the points in this football game if for no other reason that the Georgia Bulldogs have been double digit favorites in this series only three times since 1980. This is the most points that they are laying to the Florida Gators in our database. So with that, hold your nose, grab the points with the Florida Gators in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports as we're going over the college and pro football cards. And Victor, what do you say? Let's hop over to the NFL side of things where we've got a football game playing on Sunday that maybe if we put this up on a marquee, if we were in a movie theater and we said starring and the two teams would be on the uh, on the marquee board, you'd say, who are who's the stars of this movie? Well, the two teams that we're looking at are the only 
Basically, two teams that paired together to have winning a winning record in the National Football this week, and we're giving them their just due. That's the New York Giants taking on the Seattle Seahawks in a battle of upstart football teams this year. Victor, how do you see the Giants and the Seahawks faring on Sunday? The uh, over-under in the line, we're right around that key number of 45. And in fact, uh, it looks like nine out of 10 sports books that I've been looking at are right on that number, 45.0 for the Giants-Seahawks game. And Mark, I've been patiently waiting for the right time to play a Giants game over the total. You know, in the last three, four, five years, they've easily been one of our favorite under teams to bet on and cash with in the NFL. Yes. But that's when they're playing at home. And they are on the road this week. And I believe that time is this week as they head west to take on Seattle. It perhaps should have been last week on the road against the Jaguars as the adjusted score in last week's Giants-Jaguars game should actually have been somewhere around 31 to 24 based on the fact that both teams combined for 888 combined offensive yards. So with that said, the, the G-Men are, are actually due for a positive point regression on offense. This week, it's very comforting, comforting to know that uh, the last four meetings played between these two teams, New York and Seattle, in Seattle have averaged 51.5 combined points per game. And B, uh, the theme of this particular game is the fact that both teams are outstanding rushing teams, outstanding rushing offenses. The Giants are running for 5.2 yards per rush this season. Seattle, even better with 5.5, and that's after losing Rashad Penny. They just inserted Michigan State rookie Kenneth Walker right into the starting lineup, and he's proved to be just as good, if not better, on the ground than Rashad Penny. But anyway, it sets up a couple of really nice high-scoring situations from our database. I got a 13-1 and one here over-under all-time in the database. We're looking for Game 3 or greater non-division home Seattle who average 5.1 or more yards per rush if they're taking on any opponent who allows 5.1 or more yards per rush on defense. And New York does, as they allow 5.7 yards per rush on the season. And the average OU margin in these games, plus 8.9 points per game. Uh, was an under dog in each of their last four games they're now laying points at home and this has gone 11 and 0 over under since 2016 non-division home favorites who were underdogs in each of their last four games when the over underline is 46 or more that applies to seattle and uh, like their counterparts the traveling giants are also off a non-conference road win I just touched on it last week on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. NFC Rogs off a non-conference road win that went under the total last week have gone 10-0 and 1. That's 10 overs. No one tie since 2007. The stage is set. Now, in the game, I'm holding off until I see this line go down to 44 and a half. As it is right now, we're going to make a play in the over. But if you really want the best OU line value, we want to be able to cash a winner if this game finishes right on that key number of 45. So hold off, track the line. If you see it going down a half a point, that's where we make our move. Giants, Seattle, over the total. It's all about the numbers, guys. Victor says look for that 44 and a half total in this football game and then go over. Get the rubber bands out and wait for that 44 and a half for Victor's side to go over the total in this football game. And as we mentioned here, a matchup of two upstart football teams. If you looked at their projected season win totals before the season began this year, neither team was expected to even win eight games in the season. Coming into this football contest, you got Seattle. It's two right now with six wins in the season. 
mentioned here so far. Got the same way. Uh, these two football teams have been absolutely the total surprise, along with the New York Jets for the National Football League thus far this football season. The Giants are 6-1 and one now for the first time since 2008, when in 2008 they ended up being the number one seed in the NFC for the National League playoffs. Their quarterback, Daniel Jones, is finally getting his due. He's played behind so many different coaches and so many different offensive coordinators, the kid didn't stand a chance. It's all working for him right now, and it's working in the right way for this football program here. Uh, with the Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, he's an offensive genius, and Daniel Jones is just really benefiting from everything that he has in his arsenal. Jones, the offensive player of the year, I say of the week last week in the National Football League, and he's won that award three times in his brief young career, has Daniel Jones. He rushed for 107 yards last week. He's the first New York Giant quarterback to rush for 100 yards three times in the same season since 1934. He's the second leading rushing quarterback in the National League this year. We all know who the leader is. That's that guy up in Baltimore who likes to run more than he likes to pass. But Daniel Jones right now is balancing this offense himself out, If along with uh, his running back, uh, his running back, uh, the, the big boy from Penn State, and Daniel Barkley. Jones, yeah, Saquon Barkley. Between the two of them, they got a really, really nice, well-balanced offense here. Take a look at the Seattle Seahawks coming in here. You've got Geno Smith, who is arguably the National Football League comeback player of the year this football season here and would be a Pro Bowl quarterback if the votes were taken today. We mentioned about their two-thirds of the way to their season win total so far this year. The one little hole that I see in the Seattle Seahawks is the fact that they've only been favored one time this year. And they lost that game straight up to the Atlanta Falcons. Can they carry the weight against the surging New York Giants? That's the big question in this football game. Victor mentioned about the fact that uh, Seattle does what New York doesn't do well, and that Seattle runs it for over five, Giants cough it up over five. I love five-by-five five running teams, but especially as an underdog. Seattle's now laying points in this football game. I'm not going to change that, especially knowing that because NFL dogs – who won their previous three games in a row straight up as an underdog are 14 and five to the spread going all the way back to 2000 when they take on an opponent off a win. I'll grab the points of the New York Giants in this football game from my side in this matchup of these two surprising upstart football teams on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show this week as we hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And first question I have to ask you is, how is everything going for you in Vegas these days? Mark, everything is going nicely. It's uh, sad to see the baseball season winding down, but I'm looking forward to what should be an intriguing series. And, of course, NBA, NHL starting up and uh, college basketball just a few weeks away, a sport that we both love so very much. And meanwhile, we're in the heart of the football season. We're at or slightly past the halfway point with the colleges. NFL will be there in a couple of weeks. We're starting to get answers to a lot of the questions that we had following the first two weeks of action in the NFL. And let's hope and uh, make sense of those answers and use them to our profitability going forward. Well, as we mentioned at the opening of the show, Andy, here, we're going to be talking about the second half of the National Football League season here real soon. It's getting closer and closer each, with each passing week. And we've had some upstart football teams as we broke down Giants, the Seattle Seahawks, the only two teams in a matchup of winning teams meeting one another this week on the National Football League card. A lot of that probably has to do with the fact that we're in the bye week portion of the season. But nonetheless, uh, these football teams like the Giants, the Seahawks, the Jets have really been the surprise and the talk of the National Football League thus far this season here. Andy, are there any props that you're aware of of uh, teams like those, the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Jets, that uh, I know you can still play them to win the Super Bowl, and you're going to get them at, the, at today's prices because you can never find uh, the price today isn't what it was before in the past. But uh, are there anything that's being, I want to say, maybe steamed or favored or uh, being bet about amongst these new upstart surprising teams to win the Super Bowl now as opposed to when the season began? I haven't really seen any, but I haven't really looked for any of those props. The one prop that uh, of that nature that normally comes up during the course of the season, but of course is no longer applicable, is will any team or will a specific team either go winless 
or, or unbeaten. Uh, that uh, uh, prop usually shows up after about week seven or week eight. We didn't get there yet. Uh, so if Philadelphia continues to win a couple of more games, we may, we may see that prop. I would imagine, however, in some of the uh, offshore books and maybe even in some of the jurisdictions outside Nevada, depending upon their state uh, regulatory commissions, uh, there may be some uh, uh, bets like that. I, I know, for example, one thing that um, the South Point has done here in uh, the past few years for March Madness is they have offered groups of uh, four to six teams. Will the winner of the NCAA tournament emerge from this group of six teams or another group of six teams? So we might see something like that. I know William Hill out here has been very creative in offering propositions like that. They will, for example, at the start of the playoffs, uh, offer all the possible combinations of, uh, uh, let's say, you can bet Kansas City over San Francisco in the Super Bowl or San Francisco over Kansas City or the Rams over Kansas City or et cetera, et cetera. But I haven't seen any in-season uh, things here in Nevada, but I'd almost be willing to wager that uh, it is available somewhere. Well, it sure be nice to see something in the National Football League along that same vein where if you lumped in teams like the Jets, the Giants, the Dolphins, maybe another team, and picking that whole group as a chance to win the Super Bowl and getting them in a package price. That might be intriguing, and we'll end up how saying about, whether or not. How about will there be a will one of a, the New York teams, which includes the Jets and, and the Giants who play in New Jersey, but also Buffalo, and all the California teams? Will one of those teams of the Super Bowl? Will two of those teams make it to the Super Bowl? Will none of those six teams make it to the Super Bowl? That's a real that's a real nice prop. I like that. Uh, Pass to get that word out there, Andy, because we can talk a lot about that, and there'll be a lot of possibilities with that. I know We're where the Eagle with, fans would be betting. Yeah, they, I know exactly right. <laughs> Hey, we're visiting with Andy Esco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. We're getting the Vegas vibe and everything going on in Las Vegas this football season here. And Andy, if you can, you can give us a little brief update on what's going on in these contests right now. I know the uh, we talk about, and you'll get to, I'm sure, in just a moment or so, Survivor Contest. And I know that thing has to be diminishing with each and every passing week. So how do things shake out right now? at the biggest contest in Las Vegas at this well, stage let, of the season. Well, let's start with the one contest. I'll give the standings for this contest. It's uh, uh, almost impossible to get a consensus for the Golden Nugget contest because they have in their college and NFL games. So in a typical week, you're looking at 75 to 80 possible games, sides only. But I do give the standings. They make seven uh, picks per week uh, over the course of the season. So they've made uh, 49 picks so far. And the leader uh, getting a point for a cover and a half point for a push. Uh, 32.5 out of a possible 49 points. One contestant is at 66.3%. That's almost two out of every three possible wins. And there are three more contestants, a point and a half back. So that leader has a nice small cushion going into uh, week number eight. Uh, looking at the Westgate contest, uh, and I think we have up on the screen the uh, five selections from last week and the current standings. Uh, the consensus going into last week through six weeks of the season was a nice 20, 10, and zero pushes for 66.7%. Nice. Of the five teams last week, the top four choices, Lions, Jaguars, 49ers, and Buccaneers, all failed to cover the spread. The one team that did cover the spread were the Cincinnati Bengals. So a one-in-four week added to that previous consensus through seven weeks, 21, 14, and zero. That's still a solid 60% even after that one in four weeks. There's one sole leader in the contest, again, using points rather than uh, wins and losses because you do want to factor in those pushes. One contestant is at 75.7%. That's a 26-8-1 and one record, as you can see uh, in the, the uh, standings. Two more are uh, basically a, a point, a half point behind them, and then uh, uh, two more contestants at 72.9%. Uh, in the Super Contest Gold, where there are only 80 entries, so a consensus isn't really all that significant. Uh, the current standings, two contestants also through uh, five picks a week, 40 picks, 24, 10, and 1 are in the lead, hitting exactly 70%. Uh, two more contestants, 24 and 11, that's 68.6%. And, of course, that's the $5,000 entry fee uh, winner-take-all contest. Turning over to the uh, two uh, mammoth contests that have really uh, overtaken the Superbook as far as uh, the most uh, highly played contest, the two at Circa, beginning with the Circa Millions, which is uh, based upon uh, the uh, Westgate Super Contest, five picks a week. Uh, you can see that the consensus last week, 
uh, the five teams, again, the top four teams lost, and the uh, one team uh, did cover the spread. The five losers in order, Lions, Jaguars, Buccaneers, and 49ers, all failed uh, to cover the spread. And the New York Jets getting plus one at Denver, won the game outright. So that's a one and four record for week seven. The consensus 18, 11 and one coming in and heading through week seven into week eight, 19, 15 and one. So that had a significant impact that one and four week. That's just 55.7%. Now we talk about 55%, 55.7% as disappointing. But let's not go back that far many years where the consensus of the Super Contest for many, many years when it was a lone contest around uh, was below 50% for a good part and throughout many seasons. So actually, the field as a whole has grown stronger and deeper uh, as these results uh, uh, show through eight weeks, 55.7 and uh, 60% for the two big contests. Uh, the one leader in the uh, Circa Millions, 27.5 out of a possible 40 points. That's 78.6%, so a shade under 80%, and that's uh, good enough for a half-point lead over two more contestants. And then there's a gap of a game to four more contestants. So uh, we've seen the percentages go down, but still, you know, we're almost halfway through the season, seven out of 18 weeks, and uh, hitting nearly 80% for the lead in that contest is very impressive. That's Andy Isco with an update of what's going on in the meet in Las Vegas, as we do each and every week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Andy publishes one of the finest football well, by the way, news. Me, I don't know if you're going to head. We're going to do the Survivor Contest. Oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, did jump I, I, I thought you were going to wrap up the selection contest and, and lead right into the Survivor Contest because that's such a unique and very interesting contest there. No, you know what it is, Andy? If, if I appear to have like uh, the look of black eyes, it's because I got murdered in the contest last week. OK, oh. <laughs> and I'm still probably a little groggy from that. But, you know, you don't win every week and hopefully we don't lose as badly as uh, I did last week. But nonetheless, thanks for the reminder. What Take us over to that Survivor Contest. Perhaps, like you say, arguably the most popular of all the contests. Yeah, over 6,000 entries as $1,000 a pop, a $6 million guaranteed uh, prize to uh, the one or several uh, people who last the longest. The first two years of the contest, we had uh, uh, 35 or 36 contestants two years ago. They modified the rules a little bit last year, and there were still five people who managed to go 20 and 0 because they broke Thanksgiving and Christmas into two separate weeks. Don't know if we'll have multiple winners this year because 6,000 entries, over 6,133 6, entries, over 6,000 have now been eliminated through just seven weeks. Starting week seven, 382 contestants were alive. Now, the rules of this contest, just pick a team straight up. Sounds easy. You can only use a team once. So you're going to make, if you go undefeated, you're going to make 20 picks, meaning that there's still 12 teams that you won't have to pick over the course of the season. Last year, uh, excuse me, last week, uh, three teams were eliminated that cut the field from 382 down to 125. Uh, the teams were the Patriots were 175 of the 382 picked them and lost. 70 were eliminated uh, with the Buccaneers. Five each on the Chargers and the surprisingly enough, two people failed to, to submit selections. They automatically okay. got eliminated. So 257 down uh, last week, leaving 125. That's just 2.0% of the original 6133 entry field. And to put that into some sort of context, last year, where there were five people who made it through the contest unbeaten and split the, uh, at that time, I think it was a $4 million guarantee. Uh, they only had 4,080 entries. So that's about two thirds of what they had this year. Yet 2,131 of those 4,000 plus entries were still alive. 52.2% of the field was still surviving after seven weeks compared to 2% or 125 out of 6,000 contestants this year. So it's going to be a very exciting uh, race to the finish. And I'm wondering, I don't know if the Nevada Gaming Board uh, can do this on this type of contest, but wouldn't it be interesting to have a prop up there? Will any contestant go unbeaten for the entire season in the Circuit Survivor Contest or pick the week where you know, the survive, last survivor will be eliminated? That would be an interesting. I kind of doubt seriously uh, the former Andy in that uh, uh, you're sort of like juxtaposing the contest because of where it stands now today. But as far as what week the uh, last member standing.
thing in last contestants goes, you know, be open to anybody at any particular time. So that would be interesting. I like your props and I like your thoughts. Well, the, the interesting uh, again, part about that is they normally say it has to be decided on the field of competition. Well, yes. I don't know that anyone would be making a bet because the contestants are all trying to win. If they were trying to lose, that'd be a little bit different. Not that it says any easier to pick losers than it is to pick winners, but the fact that everyone wants to extend the contest as long as might give the we're, they're talking now about the gaming commission allowing wagering on uh, esports so there's not that far of a stream esports to uh, uh the, oh the latest one they have now legalized uh, and i think they're going to put it into effect sometime in the next few months uh, what's it called face slapping competition really yeah. Wow! You may want to Google and YouTube that and find out. Uh, that, uh, I, I have. I'm, I'm absolutely human stunned. ingenuity knows no bounds. Oh my goodness! Or Face brains. Well, I'm glad we don't have a face slapping segment on the show. That's that. <laughs> that's for sure. It's kind of wild and strange, but nonetheless, it's the times I guess Andy, <laughs> <laughs> that we do live in. <laughs> so that being said, if you would, Andy, I know our, uh, our listeners also like our look ahead line segment that they, you share with them. Uh, basically, these are lines that were either posted at the beginning of the season at the Superbook. We published them in the National Football League in the Playbook Preview Guide magazine. The lines that the Superbook posted last week in, uh, in terms of lines that we'll be looking at next week. So if you could, Andy, share some of those with our listeners out there that you feel are noteworthy. Sure. These are games that uh, all of them had lines posted over the summer where you could actually make, they were limited amounts, but you could wager on any game in any week through the 18 weeks. Uh, then what they've done at the Westgate for probably five or six years now, about 10 days or so before the following weekend, they post actual bettable lines, uh, revised lines, uh, and then they are reposted and revised after the following week's game. So week eight, which is the week we're about to play, these lines after i give you the the over the, the summer lines these were posted uh bef on the tuesday before last week's games meaning six games had been played but none of the week seven games have been played and then they were reposted uh sunday afternoon after most of the uh, early uh, after all of the early and some of the late games had been played so i'm going to start with the thursday night game interesting uh, line movement here more so than the posting number uh, baltimore at tampa bay over the summer the tampa bay was a three-point home favorite and uh, the 10-day advance line a week ago tuesday they were they were put back up as three-point road favorites after sunday's games tampa bay was reinstalled as only a one and a half point home favorite and the action over the last three or four days has turned that one around so baltimore now a one-point road favorite at uh, uh tampa bay uh saints hosting the raiders that was a pick'em uh over the summer and when the game was reposted in the 10-day advance line it was again uh, a pick'em. After the Saints had uh, lost at Arizona on Thursday and the Raiders had that nice win, uh, or at least certainly a nice second half in defeating Houston over the weekend, the Raiders were made, surprisingly, I think, a two-and-a-half point road favorite. Money has come in, as, as I thought it would, on uh, the Saints, where the Raiders are still favored, but only by one-and-a-half right now. One of the more interesting line moves of the week, and I'm sort of at, at a loss to explain it, the Vikings over the summer uh, we're six and a half point home favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. And that was also the line when they posted it for the, the 10 day advance line. Uh, when they posted it after Sunday's actions where the Cardinals had uh, already beaten uh, uh, New Orleans on Thursday night and the Vikings had a buy, they did adjust that line down a little bit towards Arizona Vikings favored by five and a half. Yet as we do this podcast, more money has come in on Arizona, Minnesota, now just a three and a half point home favorite. Uh, one of the more interesting games, the Patriots at the Jets. Patriots over the summer were one-point road favorites, and even though they got off to a struggling start and the Jets got off to a very strong start, the game was posted at the 10-day line with New England still a one-point road favorite. After uh, Sunday's action where Denver won at Buffalo and uh, the uh, Patriots had not yet played Monday night, the game was reposted at, at Pickham, so a little bit sentiment, a little adjustment towards the Jets. After uh, Monday night's uh, game, the, the Patriots were still pick them, and uh, they've been bet up to a two-point road favorite, despite the fact that they got waxed by the uh, Chicago Bears Monday night. Just a few more here. I'll 
comment very briefly. You talked about the Giants-Seahawks game. Seattle was a one-point home favorite over the summer. That's where they were after the uh, um, 10-day advance line was posted. When the line reopened Sunday afternoon, they were two-and-a-half, and they've been up to a three-point home favorite. So a little bit of action since the summertime. Indianapolis hosting Washington over the summer, and then again in the 10-day advance line, the Colts were six-point home favorites. Uh, as a result of uh, last week's action where the commanders won and the Colts lost, the line was reposted at four and a half and the public has come in, or at least the wise guys have come in who do a lot of the early betting, betting on these games, Indianapolis down to just a three point home favorite. So that's from a six to a three in a matter of uh, four or five days, 49ers and Rams Rams opened a, were a two and a half point road favorite, uh, excuse me, two and a half point home favorite over the summer. And that's where they opened in the 10 day advance line. After the uh, weekend's actions where the Rams had a bye and the 49ers uh, played a poor second half against, uh, uh, against Kansas City, the 49ers still opened a one-point road, road favorite. Uh, so it turned around from Rams being favored by two and a half to the 49ers by one. Line got bet up to two, but right now 49ers still a one-and-a-half-point um, road favorite, which still is a four-point turnaround from just 10 days ago. And the final one, the game on Sunday night, and I mentioned this because of where the line was over the summer, and that's Green Bay at Buffalo. Over the summer, there was still an expected gap between these teams where this opened over the summer as eight-point home favorites. Surprisingly, when the 10-day advance line came out, they still opened as eight-point home favorites. And then after the Packers' pitiful performance uh, last week while Buffalo was on a bye, they made a three-point adjustment in that advance line. So whereas they were up there last Tuesday at eight, they uh, uh, reopened on Sunday afternoon as 11-point home favorites, the Bills did, and it's actually gone up slightly to 11.5. That's a significant move considering, I guess I was surprised, Mark, that the over the summertime line was 8, and considering how poorly Green Bay had played to start the season, how well Buffalo plays, that that line didn't open 10. I'm sort of with you, Andy, on that. Uh, first of all, I'm a little bit surprised that that line even opened at minus eight to begin with before the season began, because you're still talking about what was perceived to be Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, a leading contender for the Super Bowl out of the NFC. Eight points was a lot of points, I thought, to be laying to an Aaron Rodgers type of football team. But then you take all those factors into consideration, uh, how poorly, as you mentioned, Green Bay has performed and the fact that Buffalo does have that week of rest, which was, I'm sure, instilled in the beginning here. Are you surprised at all, Andy, to find Aaron Rodgers taking this many points? I, I really am. But the way that they are playing and the fact that Buffalo is coming off a bye makes it very, very difficult for me to take all those points because of Buffalo's explosiveness. Look, they blew out the Rams to open the season, 31 to 10, the, you know, the Super Bowl champs. The following week, they trade touchdowns early against Tennessee, 7-7. Final score, Bills 41 to 7. This team is uh, uh, to to do great things this year. So I, it makes me uncomfortable to take Green Bay. Now Aaron Rodgers comes out with, uh, you know, mistakes being made by the offense. That's not to say I'm going to play Buffalo. But it does mean I may stay away from the game, maybe get involved at some point during the game. In fact, uh, my uh, best situation might very well be for Green Bay to get up to a seven or ten point lead, then maybe come in on Buffalo. At I guess that maybe point, we'll, we'll we'll need to find out how many mushrooms Aaron Jones ingests before the beginning of the football <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, we'll wait and see if that comes out on the wire or is tweeted out. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Great job on all the updates, as always, from Andy each and every week. And, Andy, before we let you go, I know our listeners would like to know what you're willing to share with them for your complimentary play in the NFL this week. I was debating between several games this week, and I decided to go with the Monday night game, the uh, Ohio rivalry between the Bengals and the Browns, uh, the uh, Cleveland uh, Browns are three and a half point home underdogs in this in this game, uh, and it's a, it's an intriguing matchup because both teams uh, could have much better records than they have. Cincinnati is four and three, but their three losses were by three, three, and two points. Uh, Cleveland is a lowly two and five, but four of the five losses were by one, three, two, and three points. Uh, their only really bad effort was the uh, 38 to 15 loss. Uh, at, to uh, to New England back in uh, in week six, Bengals have now won four of five 
with last week's 35-17 home win over Atlanta, their best performance of the season. Uh, the Browns have won all four games uh, versus the Bengals, uh, uh, with Kevin Stefanski taking over as coach in uh, in in 2020. Uh, they've won all four of those games and uh, have uh, have done so. Uh, with Baker Mayfield in, in quarterback, he missed one of the games last year at the end of the week uh, 18 game, but uh, he did have a 41-16 uh, win. Of course, he's no longer there with Carolina, uh, but it does show that uh, uh, that the Browns have been able under Stefanski to figure out the Bengals to a certain extent. Uh, last year, of course, the Browns finished 8-9 and nine with Mayfield going through the uh, season uh, pretty much injured. Uh, so Cleveland may have really been a better team had they had a healthy quarterback for the entire season and of course the Bengals went on to uh, lose in the Super Bowl uh, I give the Browns a significant edge in the running game something that Cincinnati had hoped to be able to show some improvement this year with their prolific passing offense averaging 164 rushing yards per game versus 87 uh, for the Bengals I do give uh, the Cincinnati Bengals the edge in the uh, passing game uh, both in a yards per game and the yards per play basis, both the, the passing edge for Cle- for uh, Cincinnati and the uh, running edge for uh, Cleveland. Uh, it's a key game for uh, uh, for the Browns, who play on the road at Miami and Buffalo the next two weeks. Uh, coaches always stress the importance of winning home division games. Cleveland earlier defeated Pittsburgh at home, uh, but they did lose at Baltimore. Uh, Cincinnati has dropped both of its division games so far, losing at home to Pittsburgh and uh, and uh, also uh, at Baltimore. I like the spot. I like the fact that both of these teams have been involved in so many close games that they yeah. lost. I think three and a half is a generous number. I admit Bengals have the better overall stats, but this is a rivalry. Uh, Cleveland has had uh, Cincinnati's number, so to speak, the last couple of years. No reason why this game isn't decided by a field goal. Could be either way. So if Cincinnati wins by a field goal, uh, the three and a half looks good. If the Browns win by a field goal, you didn't need the three and a half. Andy Isco on the Cleveland Browns taking the three and a half points against their state rival, Cincinnati Bengals, in a key contest for both teams. Perhaps a little bit more need for the Cleveland Browns in this football game. Andy, once again, a terrific job on the show this week. We really appreciate all your help, all your efforts, and all the knowledge you pass along. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark, Victor, and to all the listeners and viewers, let's have a great uh, Saturday and an even better Sunday. Thank you so much. That was Andy Esco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And before I get to my awesome angle of the week on the football card this week, We want to share with you a free pick from our good friend Jim Feist, a playbook experts. Jim, if you will, take it away. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on again this week. I'm really excited about this game. It's the opposite of what I usually play, which are home dogs or road dogs. I like dogs. But this week, I've got a favorite, and it's TCU. They opened a a 6.5-point favorite, and they jumped immediately to 7.5. Now, that's sharp money to me. You cross the key number like seven, and it's early in the week. So I know that's not your average player. This is definitely a pro play. So I'm going with TCU to roll West Virginia at home. TCU minus the seven and a half. I look for a big two-score, three-score win by TCU. Thanks, Mark. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our awesome angle of the week on the football card this week. We call our awesome angle Bubble Bursted. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football team from Game 7 on out who comes off their first loss of the season. If they lost that game as a favorite of seven or more points, and today they're taking on an opponent that's off a straight-up underdog win. These bubble-bursted teams come flat as an Aunt Jemima pancake in football games like this. Since 1995, they're just 3-12 and 12 against the spread. You play against them, that's an 80% point spread proposition. We'll be playing against Coastal Carolina when they take on Marshall, who knows how to win games as underdogs as they did last week against James Madison. Take the points with Marshall for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And let me hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap for his complimentary play. And if you would, Victor, let our listeners know about what you've got as far as the total tip sheet is concerned as well. 
Sure thing, Mark. Don't forget our newsletter special. That's the totals tip sheet, the midweek alert, and the playbook newsletter. You can get all three for just $25. The cover price is $38. So you're saving a good chunk of change. Required reading for any NFL or college football better, all three of our playbook football newsletters. I touched very briefly uh, about that Giants-Seahawks over that we were talking about. During our Andy segment, the line in that game has actually gone down to 44.5 points, which is what we were looking for. So you can make your move at that target line of 44.5. Right now, it looks like multiple online sportsbooks have that Giants-Seahawks game currently at 44.5. And again, uh, that is our going to be our target line in this particular game. We got a big one this week in the NFL. It's our five-star game of the month for October, and it's a totals play like it always is, and it's an over. And I know that's important because people love betting their overs in the NFL. Eh, unders, not so much. But last week it was four-star over the total in the Raiders-Texans game. Two weeks ago, it was a four-star over the total winner in the Browns-Patriots game. And three weeks ago, it was the over of the week winner in the Seahawks-Saints game. So, again, we are back on an over this week. The great thing is, is I did the write-up and the analysis early on Wednesday morning. It's already posted at the website. You can get our five-star NFL game of the month, which is going over the total. And it's already up there at playbooksports.com. And, you know, last week for our free play, Mark, we ended up taking out the clothespin, <laughs> putting it on our nose, and going under the total in that Denver Broncos-New York Jets game. Uh, the OU outcome was pretty much never in doubt. Final score was it with 25 to 9 or something like that. But it was it was a low-scoring game. We brought home the bacon with that one. And we're going to do the same thing this week, and that's put the clothespin on and go under the total in a division game as the Carolina Panthers take on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, if you read this week's totals tip sheet newsletter, you already know that NFL same division games have gone under the total this season at a 71% clip. Only 10 division games have gone over while 25 of them have gone under the total, 71% under. So knowing that, I'm looking at this week's division schedule, and I'm looking for the best under potential on the board, and it's the Carolina-Atlanta game. A series, which is low scoring to begin with, the last 17 meetings between these two NFC South teams have gone four overs and 13 unders. And if all you care about is recent history, three of the last four meetings have gone under the total as well between these two with an average of only 38.3 combined points per game on the season. Now, again, like our target number in the Seattle New York Giants game, in this game, our number that we are shooting for is 41 and a half or higher. I say that because, again, the number 41 is a key number when it comes to totals. There are many different scoring possibilities, given the fact that a touchdown is worth seven and a field goal is worth three, in which a game can finish exactly on 41 points. That's what the line currently is in the game, 41 and a half. Again, make sure that is your target line as we play the Panthers and the Falcons under the total, 41 and a half or higher. You know, what I like about this game is that uh, both these teams do not pass the ball a lot. They're both ranked in the bottom six in the NFL in passing attempts per game. You know, Atlanta in last week's game against Cincinnati, despite the fact that they were down by double digits from the get-go, still only threw 13 passes oh. and ran the ball 30 times. Wow. That's not right. According to game script, when a team is down by multiple touchdowns, they accentuate the pass. But Atlanta did not do that in the second half of that game. 
They still ran the ball 30 times and only threw the ball 13 times. And with P.J. Walker, quarterback for Carolina, they only threw the ball 22 times. So you could have a ton of rushing plays in this game. And, Mark, for me, the clincher is with uh, Carolina off that big, big win against Tampa last week and Atlanta off that ugly loss against Cincinnati, this has gone 2-14 and 14 in our database over the last three seasons. Any week 15 or earlier game in which one team is off a straight-up win of 17 or more, that's Carolina, versus any opponent who's off a straight-up loss of 17 or more, and that is Atlanta. These games have gone two overs, 14 unders in the last right. three years. Make sure your target number is 41 and a half or higher as we play the Panthers and Falcons under the total. And don't forget, playbooksports.com, our five-star NFL game of the month is flying over the total. From what I hear, somebody else has got an NFL game of the month well. I mentioned the fact that next month could be a month to remember. It could well do be just that, Victor. Five stars flying this week at playbooksports.com. Victor's five-star game of the month. Yours truly, our NFL game of the month. That's part of another $99 football weekend of winners. But as Victor mentions, if you join us now for our 10-star November to remember, which will be every release we make in, D in November, including our once-a-year 10-star college football game of the year, I'll give you this weekend as a free no-charge bonus. So you can pick up this weekend with the five-star game of the month. Join me for November to remember. It's all just $299 complete. That's a lot of winning for five weeks of action for just $299. Check it out online, playbooksports.com, or give us a call toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that our good friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering an up to $1,000 sign-up bonus. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag. They'll double your first deposit. All you need to do is mention the promo code PLAYBOOK to take advantage of this double your first deposit bonus at mybookie.ag. And with that, let's get over to our complimentary play on the card this week. We had our win streak snapped last week when Utah State failed to bring home the goods last week. But we're going to load up with a double-digit dog that I think can play this game right down to the wire. And that will be Rutgers when they take on Minnesota this week. We find the Minnesota Golden Gophers leaking oil right now, if you will. They're 0-3 straight up against the spread and in the stats. Their last three football games, they've been out-yarded three contests in a row. And in fact, take a look inside the midweek alert at their stat logs which is just terrific if you're handicapping football games for meaningful stats and information. You'll see Minnesota, since their first game of the season and every game thereafter, has gotten worse every game with yardage allowed in the contest. From a skinny little less than 100 their first game, every game gets worse and worse and worse. That's not the sign of a good team right now that's laying double digits in a football game and right now is also leaking oil in the contest as well. You've got Rutgers with the number seven ranked defense in college football this year, just 282 yards a game. That's because Rutgers is out yarded five of their seven opponents this year. With both of these teams at four and three on the season, there's no way a team should be taking 14 points in this contest, especially when they may have all the better numbers in the contest. Give me Rutgers plus the points for my complimentary play on the football card this week. And just a quick note, if you're interested in all of our videos from our playbook experts, simply log on at pb, that's pb for playbook, dot buzz, B-U-Z-Z, -Z, forward slash video. That's pb dot buzz forward slash video for a list of all the videos that you can load up and watch on the playbook or playbooksports.com website. That's going to do it for this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creel Sports. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas for the Vegas Vibe as he does each and every week. And until next week, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.